Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will, Will and, and Luke, Luke Discuss. Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This, this episode, episode, we're discussing Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Nice. And uh, yeah, we were just talking before this started about um, how, how you came across this and the different uh, content types you've, you've consumed in regards to this. Um, I wonder if you could just tell everyone a bit about that. Yeah. So he, he predominantly, um, no, well, let's start with what it is. So it's, it's two things, really. This nonviolent communication is a strategy of communicating, but that's at the more, I'd say, superficial or shallow level. And actually, when you watch videos on Marshall Rosenberg, being asked what it is, he actually struggles to answer the question. So I don't mind if I struggle as well. But, but more fundamentally, it's, it's a philosophy of, of thinking and almost a, an intention with which to be with people such that we're not, um, we're not judging, we're not demonizing, we're not labeling people as good or bad, we're not labeling ourselves as good or bad or right or wrong. We're not um, thinking people are deserving of punishment or praise or reward, but we're trying just to con- connect with the inherent feelings and needs inside one another to contribute to well-being generally. That can be my first start of what it is. No, great. I think um, just to expand on that, you know, he says it's about you know connecting willingly in a way that makes natural giving possible. Mm. You know, he, he kind of goes back to that. You know, to Spend a bit on what you said before. It's about connecting with what's alive in the other person mm. when you're communicating with them. And I think it comes off the back of him saying that the the normal ways of communicating, which he refers to as jackal language, do have you know moralistic judgments are right, wrong, good, bad, and also denying responsibility as well. Yeah, yeah. denying responsibility for what we do. And I guess he suggests uh, a language of the heart. Um, which he refers to as gi- giraffe language, and because uh, they've got the biggest heart or something, I think that's biggest why. heart of any land mammal. Yeah, love it, love it. And um, I guess in that language, he's referring to you know it's a language of choice. It's a language that gives from the heart. It's um, it's it's basically around yeah connecting with others' uh, need, needs and you know hearing the feelings inside of them as well, Mm. as opposed to the uh, language that we've been brought up with in our culture, you know, seeing an enemy image in other people, you know, we're we're judging people rather than observing them and Mm. not connecting to the reality that's inside people. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I I want to reiterate that we'll probably talk a lot about the strategy of communication, like, um, you know, that what words to use to describe things, how to um, negotiate conflict, that sort of thing. But, but more fundamentally, it's, it's a state of mind where we're seeing um, like where our aim is just to contribute to well-being, like you say, contribute to the, the natural giving we feel when our needs are met. And so like, we're, we're just trying to meet our own needs and help other people and enjoy helping other people meet theirs. So there's no obligation or duty or um punishment or 
name calling. It's just no one's right or wrong, no moralistic judgments. We're just aiming to contribute to well-being through meeting one another's needs. And not, not doing anything out, out of guilt either. Or, mm. you know, um, yeah, I think it does um, expand a little bit on what you were saying in um, last week's podcast around, you know, making sure that, you know, you know the stuff you were saying around, you know, if we're all worrying about other people's needs, we, no one ends up being happy. Yeah. So, you know, as much as this is about, you know, connecting with other people's needs and feelings, it's also about, you know, how we talk to ourselves and sort of attitude yeah. we, we have towards ourselves. Um, I was interested, um, j- just before uh, I kind of jumped, jumped online, I, I, I Googled Marshall Rosenberg and just had a look about um, what he's about. And so I, I didn't realise that he, he's gone to like foreign countries and done peace talks and peace negotiations yeah. between, um, you know, tribes in Africa or like Israel and Palestine. And he seems like a real humanitarian who's looking yeah. to, you know, um, who does does all this for the greater good of humanity? So, as you say, as much as we're going to mm. focus on strategies, I think there is a uh, an element of um, love and oh, yeah. humanity that go- goes throughout his work, and he's a very yeah. uh, very sensitive, honest, and um, brave communicator. Yeah, um, he, thoroughly, he's gone. I thoroughly in, enjoyed this. Yeah, he's gone into the heart of like throughout, like uh, during like the post Rwandan genocide he was there mediating people through like kosovo and serbia israel palestine like he's properly got really uh lived what he was preaching and he Mm. would uh (laughs) he would go around giving workshops um not get paid and then sleep on the street because he couldn't afford a hotel like it, it was a real um yeah, Maverick. He really like lived by his values and was certainly just doing it because he believed in it. It always, um, not always, but a number of times he talked about just people rocking up at his house. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the <laughs> night. Like, yeah, so I just met this woman in the middle of the night and just um, spoke through her through this communication. Like, <laughs> because her mum came to a workshop recently, so she told the daughter where I lived. And oh my, yeah. So he's um, I I, I was very um. I was very touched by this. I, I was really grateful you sent it over. It wasn't long into um, one of the workshops of his that I've been watching that I realised that I was onto a, a really good thing here, and it's definitely mm. inspired some ways of thinking and made me be, um, you know, critical in a positive sense of um, some of the language I use and my communication style with other yeah. people, um, particularly um, you know, in regards to listening and the, the language I use. Um, I found it incredibly inspiring. I was very grateful you sent this over to me. I've been really looking forward to chatting about it. Oh, good. I'm really pleased it's uh, been valuable to you because, yeah, I've, I've, I think I said with getting things done that that was a, um, a book I would stick in my Bible if I was going to construct one. And, um, yeah, nonviolent communication would definitely be the communication part of my Bible. I think this is, I can't imagine how anyone couldn't find this valuable. It's it's so. Um, there are many because we, you and I, have read a lot of books in psychotherapy and psychology and stuff, and that there are often many like there will always be a a chapter on communication at some point. Um, but none of what I've read has come close to the uh, f the 
like how much this makes sense and resonates with me and how much how helpful i found it yeah so i'm really pleased it's, you enjoyed it yeah there's you know the bit that stands out to me in particular um you know to, to, to get into it is really around the you know connecting with other people's feelings and needs when you're talking to them um, yeah and expressing that in yourself as well you know he, he often refers you know don't um don't worry about what people are thinking, like connect with them, like build the connection before you start coming up with solutions or mm. start trying to fix problems or anything like that. And that's something I know personally I've tended to do is often try and jump to solutions mm. or always think about where the conversation's going rather than um, maybe intuitively like learning to sense what is going on in the other person when talking, yeah. talking to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he says... Uh that most he, he believes most um six-year-olds could solve the majority of conflicts if you just told them what the problem was and what the either each of the parties needs were it's like that's not the difficult part like the this fixing of the problem is usually the easy part if you've really if the two parties have understood one another's feelings and needs then a conflict can usually resolve itself quite easily in terms of the logistics of it. I'd be interested to um, start out by talking about the sort of communication that he's suggesting we, we move away from. I think yeah. that'd be a good place to start before we move into yeah. some strategies. Um, I guess in particular, um, the bit I, I would bring up is around you know, how, how we cast judgments on, on people in the way we talk and we often yeah. use yeah, language that implies things are good or bad um, and, you know, wrong or right. We put a lot of moralistic judgments on things. Um, mm. I'm wondering whether there's a, an idea in your head you could just share with me about what, what language he's talking about that isn't good for humanity and isn't good for us as people to connect. Yeah. So you've, um, you've already mentioned um, perhaps a, a, a bit of language we can use to go forward with this is he calls the the common way we've all been at least in most Western cultures been educated to um, think he calls jackal and it's basically just a, a sort of joke he uses with um, puppets to help um, teach this in workshops because he this was all mainly workshop based before he wrote any books on it or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's much more, um, it started much more interactively, let's say, than perhaps um, a lot of the other content we've consumed for this podcast. So yeah, this, this jackal language, uh, like you say, a big part of it is um, judging the other person as sort of moralistically right or wrong. And I know one idea he's talked about is we often use the word like too, as in like too much of something or this you're doing this too much this person's to this or to that and underneath yeah. that implies that for one there is a, a right amount of something and that uh, verging from that right amount is wrong and that you know how much that right amount is <laughs> so that's one idea yeah, that stood out for you, me yeah you're, you're yeah kind of implying that you're the best person to make that decision mm. about whether something's wrong or wrong. yeah certainly encourages um encourage us to be open when we actually look at the language we use. Um, I think uh, language is thinking about, you know, he talks about how, you know, even in school, you know, people saying, you know, 
you did really good there or you look good or um, you're fantastic. It's, it's kind of implying that if you didn't do what you did, you're not fantastic. Mm. And it's labeling someone quite statically. Um, and, and it's, um, to jump ahead a bit, it's fundamentally missing the point of what's actually happened. Usually if I were to say, Will, you're fantastic. What's probably actually happened in that interaction is, is you've done something that, um, that has aided a need of mine such that I've responded with a positive emotion mm. and, and then I've turned that into a label and given it to you. And what he's saying is don't, there's no need to turn it into a label, just share the feelings and needs. It's like, oh, Will, when you did that, I felt really pleased because it helped meet my need for this. I don't need to turn you into some sort of concept and label you as fantastic statically in that moment. And, you know, tr- traction builds if, if you start to, um, well, people only start to do things because they're seen as being good as opposed yeah. to voluntarily from the heart um, nat- naturally giving to the other person out, out of pure enjoyment, not because they're going to be told they're good or told yeah. they did well. Um, and I think what he's saying is if everyone communicates like this, then there's a lot more natural sense of giving yeah. amongst people as opposed to there being conditions on why we do things. Um, it yeah. becomes kind of like, it becomes a demand instead of a, a request for someone yeah. to meet my needs or me to meet their needs. Mm, that it's actually a, um, a natural human need of ours to contribute to one another, to contribute to life and to society and to people. And that it feels good when we do, when we voluntarily do something that makes someone else's life more wonderful and improves their well-being. That, that feels great and everyone knows, you know, I'm sure the vast majority of people listening to this can agree that there, are t- where there have been times in their life where they've chosen to do something for someone, they've seen the joy it's brought them and it feels really good. So he, he's saying that's a natural part of being human. But that when we get into coercion and punishment and yeah. demands, another a need of ours is autonomy and freedom. And if we feel like we're doing something out of obligation or duty or guilt, then um, everyone pays for it. What, what are your thoughts on him using the word, um, you know, violence? It's, it's a very strong word, isn't it? Like I'm saying non-violent communication. I think, yeah. I guess um, just to say my thoughts on it is, I think it, it's an interesting way of really highlighting how this language does have a negative impact on that natural giving. Yeah. It's... Um, I don't think you could use another another word to describe it. And it's amazing how ingrained in culture it is um, between people. I've, I've uh, sorry, I did ask a question, but I'll just keep going. Um, on, on the back of what you we were just saying earlier, um, no, I found recently that I'm I become frustrated at feedback I get that yeah. isn't connected to my feelings or needs. So often, um, or there's been times at work where maybe I'm told by someone that I'm doing a fantastic job and I'm doing really, really well, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like they actually know how I'm mm. traveling in that job. Like actually I've had a pretty rough couple of weeks. I found it really difficult mm. to, you know, connect with clients or maybe I don't feel like personally I'm doing my best work mm-hmm. and I don't feel like that's been seen. Whereas, yeah. um, 
with uh, times where I feel like I'm doing well and I'm connecting and I'm bringing my best to work, it doesn't necessarily get noticed in that way. And I've, I'm, I'm finding that interesting talking to people that if I'm reflected like inaccurately, it can mm. become quite frustrating. Mm. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you've, you're touching on a really important human need to, to feel uh, empathically connected to, to, to experience being understood and experience someone accurately um, seeing what's alive in you. And that even if they're saying something which on the surface might be considered nice or praiseworthy or something, if it's not actually resonant with what you're feeling, then it, it just feels frustratingly disconnected rather than like the boost they're not trying to be giving you by, by saying you're doing really well. You make an interesting point. Like he says, um, he says that um, speaking in this nonviolent communication isn't nice. It's not meant to be like a nice language. It's a, it's a language of connection. It's a language of giving. It's a yeah. way of communicating that's, that's open. And, um, you, you know, that, that's, it, it, come, it comes on to the bit where, you know, he's saying that we don't communicate effectively enough in, in this way. We don't, we don't like, often people don't use this form of communication. They, mm. they often give compliments or they do things out of feeling like they're doing the right thing. And he says the worst kind of person is someone who says yes or agrees who <laughs> doesn't mean it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think just to link that back to what I'm saying, you know, saying something just for the sake of being nice as yeah. opposed to saying what's real within you, what's yeah, like yeah. connecting to your life force and what's alive inside of you. Yeah. Yeah, so it might be, um, so, so yeah, you reference then the, the yes saying jackals, he, he refers mm, to it. Yeah. Um, so, so like, um, he says, never, uh, never do anything <laughs> for someone else that you can't do with the joy of a small child feeding a hungry duckling. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, nice. he's, he talks about giving with like a Santa Claus attitude. And if you know you're not coming from that place, if you know you feel coerced or obligated or like um, that you're doing it out of a sense of, I will feel guilty if I don't do this, then he says to really um, stop and pause because that's actually, although we might consider it in our culture nice to, to um, I guess, what we might think of sacrificing ourselves to, to give to someone else. Um, so uh, let me put it this way. I care about you. So I wouldn't want you to, um, like diminish your needs and your well-being for me. Cause that wouldn't. And if I knew that was happening, I wouldn't feel good about what you were offering. <clears throat> and then if you hide that on top, so if you pretend that you're not actually sacrificing your well-being, and you're doing things to me, then then we're just not connected as two human beings. We're not we're not in touch with what's resonant in one another, and that's much more important to me than say um, other people doing things for me that they think I might benefit from that sacrifices themselves. Well, he says, you know, um, just just to quote him here, he says, you know, we give power to others by worrying about how they're going to respond. By putting our our sense of safety in other people's reactions, you know, we're we're sub, 
we're submitting or we're mm. retreating. We're, we, we can't connect. We can't respond in, in, in an empathic and kind way. You know, mm. it's, uh, mm. that, that stood out to me a lot, you know, about what power do we give to other people through our communication? Yeah. And, um, the, the bit I remember us talking about before doing this podcast, maybe a week, it was a week or two ago, we were speaking about, you know, the bit around, you know, we don't do anything we don't choose to do. Mm, yes. Um, and I imagine, you know, there are some, um, some limits to this, but um, no, I, I find that quite a liberating thing. Just on that, um, just to pause on that, I'm pretty, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always certain Marshall Rosenberg would say there, there aren't limits to that, that you never right. do anything you don't choose to do. Yeah, because mm. I say that because he gave the example of, as someone in his workshop saying, um, yes, yeah, I know you're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> like I got, I got stopped in the street the other day and someone put a gun to my head and said like, you know, give me your wallet or your life. And he was like, so what did you choose to do? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, he says, yeah, it seems like you had a pretty clear choice to me. And he's like, um, and he's like, what did you choose to do? He's like, well, I, I, um, chose not to give him my wallet. And he's like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, either, Either he was a very poor shot <laughs> or there was some alternative <laughs> way that that got resolved. Mm. And um, so, yeah, although we might not always like the choices we have, we do always have a choice. And it's, it's, it's important not to give your power away by denying your own responsibility or your ability to um, choose your responses. Yeah, I, th- I think I-, I found this bit in just this concept in general, just it's quite liberating. You know, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Like I don't mm. have to do anything, but I know the consequences. Mm. You know, I know, I know what will happen, but it's, it's an interesting way to carry carry yourself in life, knowing that, you know, you, you don't have to do anything. You gave an example of a, mm-hmm. a mother, didn't he? Who says, but there are some things you just simply have to do. You know, I have to go home and cook for my kids. Mm. Um, you know, every night of the week. Mm. And he said, you know, try, maybe try communicating your feelings and needs to your mm. kids. And she goes, I hate cooking. I don't want mm. to do this. And then the kids were like, thank fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, don't, yeah. we don't like your cooking. Yeah. Um, well, I think he I, said, um, yeah, yeah, Marshall, Marshall <laughs> spoke to the son like the next week or something. Mm. He was like, oh, I'm really interested in what's going on in your family. It's like, yeah, well, mum came home after the workshop and told us, announced to us all that she was no longer going to cook. And he was like, oh, um, what was your reaction to that? And he said, well, Marshall, I said, thank God. He was like, oh, <laughs> why did you say that? He was like, because now I don't have to listen to her complain about cooking every night. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, it's an interesting. Is there is there anything else you kind of wanted to say about that at all? Because I know it's something we we paused on a few times. Um, about what specifically? We um, just, just around like our, our sense of choice. You know how that relates right. to communication. You know, it's, um, I, I suppose yeah, it does relate a bit to you know not doing anything you don't want to do, and you do have yeah. choice in all situations. And I suppose the skill is in learning to communicate that. Yeah, I think I do want to say more, but I want to take a step back by prefacing it with, um, uh, Marshall Rosenberg was, um, Jewish and grew up during the civil rights movement. So like what he was passionate about and what he saw when he was younger is how 
some people can be extremely violent to people just based on the color of their skin or he talked about being called names at school and being beaten up for being jewish and stuff and how some people even under what seem like similar conditions can maintain their compassion and um not get sucked into that enemy imagery and um that violence so and and this aspect of um recognizing your capacity for choice and responsibility and not denying your responsibility he talked about with reference to uh nazi germany and that um i think it was the um during like the trial of adolf eichmann which was he was one of the nazi uh high up um people he um talked about how it was easy to send people to their death because they had ways of denying choice and responsibility. It's like, oh, I have to do it. It's superior's orders. Like I don't have any choice, but to do this. So that was a way in which people, people can be violent and not feel the emotional consequences of it. So he, he really emphasizes that denying responsibility can lead us to, um, contribute to suffering in the world because it's easy to do things that hurt other people if we feel like we're not responsible for the choices we make i am um, i'd be interested to talk about uh, nonviolent communication with other people um particularly yeah. in in conflicts um or having disagreements with people or needing to express your needs or to get something yeah from somebody out like you're needing somebody else in that moment. Um, so I guess just, just to start with, there's a bit around, um, you know, the, if you're frustrated at a situation or another person, the stimulus is the person, but the cause of our suffering is our, our thinking. Yeah. And he's saying that when we have, you know, feelings of, um, what well, there's four, isn't there? There's anger, guilt, depression, and shame. That's a, that's an indication that there's a, um, let's say a, a distorted impression mm. of our of our needs. So when, mm. when we're feeling those things, when we're getting that getting angry or irritable at a situation, that's just a distortion of our needs. And what we need to do is connect with our needs and express those to the other person. The way he says to to do that is to um, you know use this language of action, which is you know tell the other person what you're seeing, a concrete observation of what you're seeing, um, communicate the feeling that you're having, and then communicate the need that you're having. So I'm sure there's a lot more to say on this, mm. but um, you know, that, that's the process he goes through. So when you're wanting to communicate with someone else, mm-hmm. what's going on for you, instead of being like, you're being annoying or you need to do this for me, it's mm. more about, okay, what is the other person exactly doing? And I think mm-hmm. that's a hard thing for people to do. Yeah. I often often it's difficult isn't it to pinpoint exactly what the other person is doing if you're annoyed with them like yeah. whether it's um doing the dishes like oh, they never tidy up it's like okay what do they actually do do mm. they mm. just leave it once a week do they leave two dishes like mm. really pinpoint that um maybe i'll get you to just talk a bit through that that process yeah yeah definitely so, that. yeah so there's this is the so we've talked about the jackal language or, or talked about yeah. a few aspects of it and this is how to speak in giraffe as he calls it so 
giraffe is nonviolent communication. And like you pointed out, there are four aspects to, um, to this language. There's making observations. And as you will go into, and as you pointed out, making them without judgments, which is actually very difficult to do, just clean, mm -hmm. clear, observations of facts of the matter with without yeah. throwing judgments in and then sharing your feelings um about those judgment uh, about those observations leaving then, them out of it as well you've got to leave them out of that feeling not like leave, leave, make, leave the other person you mean leave the other person yeah. out. so it's not like you make me feel it's, no i am feeling frustration yeah. i am feeling guilt yeah. sadness, no, anger, no one makes us feel anything yeah can't attribute that to them no yeah so just just sharing pure the pure feeling, like you say, without without attributing its cause to the other person, or uh, just things generally. Um, and then he says that our feelings are um, indicators of needs being met or unmet, and feelings or emotions we have, which um, we experience as pleasant, are. Um, our way our, a signal our body's giving us that a need of ours is being met and feelings or emotions we have that we consider to be unpleasant so sadness anger guilt shame pain hurt these are indications that our needs are going unmet so we share the need underneath the feeling as well and then finally if we are in some sort of conflict resolution we might also want to share a request we have of the other person for them a uh, suggestion which an offer for them a way in which we believe they might be able to help us meet our need if we want if they want to if they're willing but to make it making sure that's not a demand based on those that jackal language you talked about you know kind of um coercion or manipulation or control mm. it's, it's a simple request not going mm. Now, because of all these things, you must do this to make mm. me feel better, you know. Mm. And, um, yeah, and also, I guess, to, um, to add to this, you know, the bit that stood out for me was that, you know, people don't know our needs unless we mm -hmm. um, communicate them. And I think that's something that's probably taken me quite a long time to realise. Mm. If you've got a bit of a, like, a judgmental attitude or you're feeling that frustration, there's almost this expectation that the other person should know why you're feeling the way you're feeling. Mm, right. Um, but actually, it's your responsibility to communicate that and make yourself yeah. clear. Yeah. And then, I guess, after that point, if the person maybe responds in a certain way or they aren't able, able to meet your request, then, then, you, then you've got a choice to make from mm. there, whether to s seek another person to support your needs or whether that's a relationship you want to continue or a conversation mm. you want to continue um yeah 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 that's that's one of my reflections from this and i think it's uh something that i find difficult to do yeah um when you're caught up in the, the frustration of a situation oh, yeah. to really slow down and break it down and communicate to the other person especially if this isn't their way of communicating either you know mm. they don't hear it they don't hear it like this Yes. Yeah, that is a good point. He um, tries to make it clear that um, it needn't be the case that the other person must also know this nonviolent communication to be able to interact with them. We can still, 
So although we just shared the four aspects then of what we express when something's going on for us, we can also listen for those four aspects in the other, whatever they're saying to us. So let's say, you know, you call me a dickhead. I might, I can try to listen beneath that criticism to what's actually alive in you. So are you feeling angry or hurt or, and I can just take a stab at it. I can make a guess to try to empathize with the feelings and needs underneath your enemy imagery of me in that moment, which obviously, like you say, is very difficult. <laughs> if someone's difficult, calling yeah. names. <laughs> well, I think he says, um, as well, you know, as, as difficult as it is to speak in this way, you know, there's two things, you know, one, he says, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Yeah. So any, any attempts at this way of communicating with someone or hearing and hearing someone like that is whatever you can do to connect with those needs and feelings is, mm. is progress. Um, that's like a really hard thing to do. And I'm forgetting what my part two was as well, but um, maybe it'll come back to me. <laughs> mm. Come back to me. Yeah. And we were talking about the difficulty of, of communicating this way, particularly when the other person is communicating in jackal. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, hearing it like that. Um, something to add on to that as well is it's um, when, when we're doing requests, we've got to ask for something that we do want, not something that we don't want. Mm. It's like a, you say, like a dead man's request or something. That was, yeah, mm. I, I just thought of that. That's from acceptance and commitment therapy, um, mm. a dead person's goal, <laughs> which it sounds similar, doesn't it? So a dead person's goal in acceptance and commitment therapy is a goal that a dead person could do like quit smoking or, or rather to not smoke or to, <clears throat> to not drink a dead person could do that. So we want to set our goals actively, but yeah, also in non-violent communication, it's, it helps the other person if we can share our requests with something they, we want them to do actively rather than what we don't want them to do. Um, just being specific as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he gives uh, gives a silly example of like um, he's in this he's trying to mediate this school problem where this particular school are getting a lot of broken windows from students smashing them, and so he walks into the meeting there. He's like, "So what? What's the problem with that we're trying to resolve today?" And they're saying, "Oh, you know, we're trying to uh, we want the students to stop smashing windows." And he's like. He's like, um, he's like, okay, kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, what? Yeah. He's like, well, dead children smash no windows. <laughs> and and um, it's, a, it's obviously a joke, but it's trying to make the point that saying what we don't want isn't asking for what we do want. And he talks as well about, you know, when we're responding to other people's requests, um, not saying no but saying what stops you from saying yes. Yeah. And I think that's something, something I've found is like, it can be really difficult to say no to things, um, mm-hmm. to get requests from other people. So actually being very clear on your reason, like getting in touch with that, like why am I feeling some resistance mm-hmm. to wanting to do this thing for this person or at this job? Like, why is it that I am kind of warming up to this sense of variability that I shouldn't have to do what's been requested yeah. of me? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like, right, what is it exactly that stopped me from saying, do I need to be doing something else? Like, um, I'm feeling um, I'm feeling anxious at the moment because I have a need to complete this other bit of 
bit of work or I need mm. to talk to this other person mm-hmm. and I don't believe I've got time for this now. Is there a way we can um, yeah. or, find or, another solution to meet your need for this to get done as yeah. well as getting my keep meeting my needs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, the it's so interesting since I've learned about nonviolent communication, how often I now pick up on how frequently people say they can't do things and it's a, mm. it's a real denial of responsibility. It's like, Oh, um, right. Example. Can, you know, do you want to, um, meet at nine o'clock? Oh, I can't speak. And it's like, well, you could. <laughs> so like, uh, I, I know it might be a kind of nitpicky, but, but it, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> that that's so embedded in our language that, uh, people find it so difficult to say like, I'm not willing to, because it, it feels to take that responsibility and say, um, you know, I'm not willing to do that because I have another commitment at that time. And I, and I'd, I'd prefer to prioritize that. Um, it, it feels there's a sense in the culture in which somehow that sounds mean. Um, <clears throat> and it's nice to, to deny your responsibility because if you can't do something, then, you know, it's not my fault. I can't, but like, okay, it's, yeah. it's, um, to me, I would like, I would prefer to redefine nice <laughs> as, as someone saying i'm not Honest. willing to do that yeah exactly yeah, well, it yeah. goes back to the sam yeah. harris book we did on lying like i'd much i think it's much nicer in my definition of the word nice for someone to be truly honest with me even if they think that that's at risk of me responding with some sort of negative emotion to that because th- that's, that's it, my responsibility mm, yeah yeah so, something is is almost makes me quite sad thinking about it is how little people communicate like that. Yeah. There's two, like, I, I mean, maybe I clocked onto this a little earlier than I read the, um, read all this content. I watched it, but like people don't communicate like that. People, people are flaky. People <laughs> cancel things. People, people don't, it's just like, what world are we living in that we just feel like we have to kind of deny responsibility or even lie about things we we don't want to do but mm-hmm. i guess it, the difficult you know if you get invited to a party that you don't want to go to yeah like how do you how would you communicate you know i i have a need to only go to parties where i feel comfortable and i like the people there <laughs> or do, do you um i suppose uh, you know what he says as well so this was my second point is yeah um, oh, yeah. yeah there we go it comes it comes eventually um is that we need to find our own language for this it's not yeah you know, some of the examples he gives, um, I think he knows he's doing this, you know, saying, I feel like this and I have the need mm-hmm. for this. Like yeah. in some circumstances that can feel a bit robotic and it's got no teeth, yeah. it's kind of a bit soft, but you know, everyone's got their own way of talking, their own dialects, yeah. their own way of communicating. So whether it involves, um, I don't know, use, use of humor or certain words in yeah. the dictionary, um, I think that's something as well, like having that flexibility, but at the core of it is communicating mm. why yeah. exactly you, um, why you can't say yes to something instead of just using all these negative words like can't, won't, shouldn't, don't, I'm, bad, uh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm pleased you raised that point about the perhaps the sterility of, of using it as a formula, this language, because yeah, to, mm. to say, <laughs> to only speak like I feel this because my need for this is being met or unmet would, um, 
or, or when when I saw this, when I observed this, I felt this because I need this. Would you mm. X? Like obviously, that's a very strict formula, and like you say, that's that is one of the criticisms of nonviolent communication. But as Marshall points out, that's that's a way of teaching it for as an ABC because we're so ingrained in a domination moralistic judgment culture and not speaking from the feelings that are alive in us, then it will be kind of clunky when we start off. It's like learning scales and the guitar. Scales aren't music yet, but you need to kind of ingrain that to, to build up your repertoire before you can improvise. And um, um, as I tried to highlight at the beginning, you know, it's not about the actual words you use, but it's about the intent and energy with which you communicate with people i think that that leads on really nicely to um, something i want to speak about around um nonviolent communication and empathy so particularly yeah. when we're like listening to other people and he says that you know there's three components of this when we're talking to other people it's our full our full presence when we're with someone like we're if we're going to be responding to what's most alive in that person at that moment we need to be there with them yeah like sitting in that space and i think that's something um i'll I'll quickly say the other two actually so it's um full presence not giving advice and not saying i understand you know just responding to those needs and those feelings and i think that's something um i'm constantly trying to improve at work in particular and in and in relationships like really being able to sit with someone and be with them mm-hmm. rather than trying to jump to the solution, like mm-hmm. be there, demonstrate some understanding, but not necessarily responding to what people think, but just listening to the needs. And I guess he says mm-hmm. from this, you know, from first connecting before finding solutions, mm-hmm. you'll naturally get a sense and the solutions will appear. And I think yeah. to me, something that maybe he didn't say was like, it requires a lot of patience and I yeah. don't have that patience. I think I like to move things quickly. I like to mm. solve problems, especially if there's a conflict or I don't understand mm. something. Mm. And this has forced me to really slow down a bit and just allow solutions to emerge. Mm. Like the, co- the connection is more important than the solution mm. initially anyway to me. Yeah, yeah. My, my guess would be, because I, I can relate to that as well, my guess would be that it's because our culture, um, it's very scared of negative emotion and we're kind of raised. Um, I mean, he points out that in, I think, 20 years of American education, no one ever asked him how he felt. <laughs> and I, I mean, wow. I can, def- can definitely relate to that, that so rare would it be that like, I mean, people will say things like, how are you? And you know that you don't, they don't necessarily mean it, but, but there's, there's a general understanding that it's not, um, polite or it's, or it's uncomfortable to share negative emotions. Mm. And, and I think we kind of learn that that's supposed to be uncomfortable and that therefore when we hear others talking about negative emotions, there's this sort of implicit assumption that um 
there's some pressure for us to solve the problem and that it's now our responsibility and that there's some sense of discomfort just in being around it. We have to be, we have to feel bad if someone else feels bad and we can't just sit with that and be okay that they're not okay in this moment. Mm. He says that we need empathy before we sympathize Mm. and we need to actually be able to understand what someone's going through and, you know, respond to those feelings like demonstrate that understanding before we give lip service to like oh I'll be all right it's okay you'll be all right like it's amazing I, that's something as well I'm, i realized through conversation i get frustrated to is when you've expressed yourself and you've maybe mm. expressed something that was very difficult to say or quite vulnerable mm. mm-hmm. but then you get you feel like you're getting a generic mm. um oh you'll be all right oh it'll pass in a couple of weeks you'll feel better or mm. um or just keep trying, do what you can. Like it, mm. it jump, it jumps over the feeling and the need. And I, that's mm. something I'm really um, re- in recognizing it in myself. I see how other people would need that too. Not mm. just you know, just jumping to a, a solution. It's like I don't need a solution right now. I yeah. Just need to be heard. yeah. So what? Yeah, what you really need in that moment is is evidence that the other person's understood uh, your feelings and needs and can demonstrate to you that they have seen what or felt what you've expressed mm. and to add to that you know he talks about the frustrations of people analyzing you as well yeah. or you trying to you trying to analyze the other person like trying to figure out what's going on what's mm. what's happening here as opposed to just yeah start that being the starting place mm. yeah yeah that's almost it it almost is irrelevant than it's trying to understand the why before understanding the what, you know, just start with what's happening. What are you feeling? That's doesn't matter why you're feeling that way. Let's just start with really both being on the same page of that. And then we can move on from there. It requires time, doesn't it? Yeah. As I yeah. said, time and patience to actually sit and listen and be with someone and not want to be somewhere else. And I think, you know, modern, modern day just, maybe makes our conversations a lot shorter mm. or we can't express ourselves at length anymore. I imagine you know, back in the day people spoke for longer for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I just feel <laughs> we, like we are now. fast paced society. Yeah. Um, no, go, please go. Yeah. I, um, I think we've done quite a good job, uh, fairly representative in the time we've had so far to, to kind of cover the background of this, what Jack is, what, nonviolent communication mm. is I agree, um, yeah. may- maybe it's would be um, beneficial for both of us and anyone who was watching or listening to this for us to bring in some real examples absolutely and, um, yeah it might be rather courageous of us if we were to discuss examples between us you know we've been friends a long time and i'm sure there have been uh, you know disagreements or conflicts we've had and maybe we could churn one of them through a nonviolent communication framework Mm, I think something that's coming to mind is <laughs> I don't know where this comes. I've had a a problem that's needed solving, and I've mm-hmm. I've felt frustration mm-hmm. at you for not either taking my side or mm-hmm. offering advice, mm-hmm. giving me a solution. Um, and I think that's kind of the reverse of what we were just talking about now. You know, mm-hmm. as the the one communicating the issue, not necessarily mm-hmm. the one listening to the issue. I've, um, I guess I have certain needs to be agreed with 
or I have mm-hmm. needs for um, you to provide solutions to my problems. And I think I, I felt some frustration when that hasn't been offered. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm wondering, I mean, in even just saying that to you now yeah. feels a lot more um, constructive than probably how I was talking to you about it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being like, come on, mate, like, just, just tell me honestly, like, what, what do you think? And that was pretty much me just going like, tell me you agree with me or yeah. I'll be upset. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is, is that a good example? You think you could maybe, um, yeah, it sounds it. It depends. Re- um, yeah. Um, so I guess it's not so relevant to go into the specific of what you wanted me to agree with. Um, yeah. but it's so just, there was that, but let's say that there was a specific time where perhaps you were telling me about a problem you were having and um, your observation was that uh, what I said wasn't what agreeing with your analysis of the situation and you felt frustrated in response to that. Um, you wanted agreement from me. What, what need do you think it would have met for you if I had agreed with you with what you were saying? Um, the need for, I guess, validation that my point of view was, um, was okay to have, like okay. I was okay to have, I was okay to have the yeah. frustration that, that I'm not the only one who thinks this way. Like I'm not, uh, um, my thinking isn't extraordinary. It's kind of, right. it'd be normal. It'd be normal for me to feel this way given the situation. I remember yeah, you yeah. saying like, I don't give advice. And I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was yeah. frustrating when I said, I, I'm not going to give you advice. That was frustrating to hear. That, I guess that was like clear language, which kind of set in stone that I'm not going to get what I want from this conversation. But it's, it's um, he talks about, there are, there are many strategies or preferences we might have for a need to get met, but, but in actual fact, there are many, usually many other alternative ways in which that need can get met. So it sounds like in that moment you were um, feeling frustrated because you, you wanted, obviously you had this need to be validated and a sort of um, perhaps common uh, feeling part of a common humanity that the way you were seeing the situation was fine. Like there was nothing wrong with the way you were seeing things it was um mm. it was okay and that, normal <laughs> yeah and that if had i have said i also see the situation the same way and i think you're right that would have helped that need for you to feel validated to have been met but then it probably would have skipped out another need to see reality as it is you know but there can okay. be multiple needs going on at once right i think he, talk, he talks about that mm. as well he says you know Sometimes in meeting one need, you might not meet another. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess so. Um, so what would? Yeah. So your, I assume then in that moment, your a request. What would have been a, a request you uh, either did or could have made to me for that? Then? I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it? When I guess if you feel like the need even when the need gets met, you're still going to kind of have that uncertainty. Um, I wonder like, cause even 
even if you did fully agree with me, it's like, did it, did it really meet that need? And I suppose, mm. um, I guess in, in terms of your question, you know, what, what was it like? What, what's the specific what, what's request? request? I, could have had I think you actually did. If I remember the situation yeah. rightly, I think you, you know, in fairness to your communication skills, you said, I, I want you to agree with me. And, uh, yeah, um, so <laughs> I, need, that, I, need, I need to hear you agree Yeah, to feel um, settled. Yeah. 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 And I think, so yeah, that was a request. I think then that goes, I guess now we can turn it on me, uh, if you're happy to, of what. Please, I no, no, I think, yeah, so, I think it's a great, good example, actually. Yeah, it wasn't that long So ago, in no. that moment, uh, you were talking about a person I didn't know in a situation I hadn't seen. So yeah. I knew it would have been not honest of me to say yes i think you're right because i was genuinely unsure i, I couldn't have been known if if mm. you were right or not because i was miles away and didn't know the person the situation or anything and you're only getting one side of the story as well right and yeah, i could full but, picture but i could also sense your frustration and um you know and i, and I heard what you said that you wanted me to agree with you so i guess i was feeling conflicted sort of feeling maybe somewhat anxious that i had these two conflicting desires one to um um ease the frustration of my friend and the other to for my own personal integrity to be sort of honest um so and if you did agree with me you'd be kind of you wouldn't be giving out of a place of um uh what would you say like will you wouldn't be willing, willingly giving. No. Like, sorry, you wouldn't be doing natural giving. It'd be no. more, in a way, out of coercion. Submission. Uh, yeah, yeah, submission or coercion by me. Like, if I, it's almost like the more frustration I felt I could show you, the more likely you were to agree. Right. Which sounds which sounds quite controlling, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. Sorry, so, carry on. Yeah. So in terms of. Um, expressing the feelings and needs that are stopping me saying no. Um, I might have said something like, uh, so you're, you're feeling frustrated because you have a need for, uh, validation and reassurance. Yeah. Reassurance and a sense of kind of common humanity, right? That you're not some alien who thinks this way that, but this is a perfectly natural way to think. Hmm. Um, However, uh, not however, <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm here that and I'm, he and I'm hearing your request for me to agree with you. Um, I'm feeling anxious, uh, cause I have a need for, I guess, integrity and honesty. And, and I believe if I agree with you, I will be sacrificing that need, but I also want to help your need for validation. Um, so then what's my request? Is there a, uh, is there something else, uh, I could do for you, which would help your need for validation without having to agree with your analysis of this situation? Something like that. Maybe I don't know how that I think, would come across. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good style. I guess it's offering, um, an alternative solution mm. or a, not even a solution. It's just another way of thinking. I think it's hard to, um, maybe play out what would have emerged from that given yeah. the, 
the current emotions of the situation and the communication. But I think it's a good example. Um, yeah, how, how could have worked through that? Because we, we both got com, conflicting needs in a way. Mm. And it's obviously masked quite a lot by a level of emotion and frustration, which are which were masking my true need in a way. It was kind of there's probably yeah. a need beneath that original need as well. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, like hearing now, like what um, feelings that you were connecting with at that time. So I don't yeah. think we we spoke in that no. language. I wasn't. No. You you probably observed some frustration, but you maybe didn't um, hear from me, allowing yeah. you therefore to sense it, like the true like turmoil and angst mm. i was feeling about this level right. of indecision this level of frustration right and then i i because i hadn't heard it from you your anxiety around you know honesty and wanting to support me yeah because i didn't hear that yeah i i wasn't it's like i kept giving you a hard time like had i known mm. how anxious you were feeling mm. around your conflicting needs mm. I may have softened and we may have connected a bit more right. and there may have been some, some relief and solutions could have emerged. Right. Whereas it was kind of like, we're both feeling these two things separately, but we're not mm. telling each other. We're both uh, fo yeah. focused on the issue and the solution. Yeah, There's yeah. no middle part, right? We're talking about the thoughts we're having rather than the feelings we were having. So yeah, like you say, the, the level of turmoil and frustration you're feeling didn't necessarily come out your mouth and the level of, conflict and anxiety i was feeling probably didn't come out of my mouth we were just talking about like you know you wanting me to agree with you me, me saying I, I don't think i can because i don't necessarily agree with you and just both sort of not being connected at the feelings mm. level and it was hard it was over the phone and there was like a time pressure as well i remember yeah. i was about to go into I was about to go to a massage, which was the <laughs> single worst thing I could have done afterwards. Like, just lie there, just thinking about how you don't agree with me for an hour and a half, pretending to enjoy a massage. <laughs> uh, I, th I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I, I think that was, that was a good example to go through. Mm. Um, and even yeah. though I had felt that uh, that situation had passed um, and that was it was no longer... I don't know, relevant to our present lives, it's still, f I still feel somewhat more connected to you and relieved, even though we, we just discussed it as an example here. Mm, I, I definitely, yeah, it's kind of nice to talk about it. I, I, I think it's, uh, it's also coming from a place of, um, you know, hey, let, let's talk about what was going on for us at that point in time. There's no yeah. me versus you. I don't think it's, um, I mean, given our level of friendship, it's very rarely me versus you, but it's often, you know, that's probably the most uh, um, conflicting situation I've had with you in recent times. Mm. One where I've, I've, I've felt frustration and you're part mm. of that, you mm. know, which is, which is quite rare. Um, mm. And I don't like to feel it, but I, I feel quite, um, yeah, that was nice. It was nice to hear what you were going through. I can mm. actually fully understand it a bit more and understand how actually, how could I expect you to just agree with me or provide solutions like that wouldn't have actually been helpful. That's interesting that you're yeah. uh, on hindsight. And yeah, no, I, I appreciate that as well, actually, just as you say that, that 
that um I don't know, it feels um yeah, somewhat comforting to know that it's comforted you to heal my feelings. And I'm wondering how you know now that had I have agreed with you or given you a solution, it seems like you're aware that that wouldn't have met your need or wouldn't have been particularly helpful. I'm wondering how you know that. I, th- I think just given the situation, I think what it is is that like in that moment when I'm feeling frustrated, misunderstood, angry, whatever, like I jump to the solution bearer and I needed oh. to hear a solution straight away. But actually yeah, yeah. the the more um, therapeutic way of talking like we just have probably would have brought me more comfort, more joy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it's just me recognising that like I can't just jump straight to the solution because often – it's almost like I want any solution, regardless of whether it's good or bad. I just need something mm. now. But actually, yeah, it's just sl- it slows down. I think I think that's what um, that's what I'm realizing. I hope, does that kind of answer your question? Um, let me just process it. So th- there's a part of you that just wants any solution, <laughs> however helpful mm. it may or may not be, because that would resolve something within you but you know actually in the long term that That's, uh, yeah, I, I might be missing term. this but in, but that yeah it helps resolve some discomfort in the short term but actually um i don't think you said this but i think possibly that what was implied was that a solution from someone else wouldn't be a solution for you anyway because it didn't come from you mm. yeah i think that's right yeah definitely a bit the bit around you know i'm wanting a short-term solution from you rather than kind of an honest conversation that might have given some more long-term benefits. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I thought that was was great. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, any final thoughts you've got around um, around nonviolent communication or some of your main takeaways you want to share before we wrap up? Um, I think it's important to highlight that uh speaking from so nonviolent communication is most frequently used for conflict resolution because um the jackal language rule grown up with in terms of um seeing people as bad and wrong and feeling angry and shame and guilt and obligation not recognizing our uh personal responsibility for our emotions all, all this domination culture is is very poor at resolving conflict. So nonviolent communication is often pulled in to help with that. But connecting at the feelings and needs level with one another isn't just about resolving conflicts, but it's also about um, celebrating life and gratitude and, um, yeah, celebration. So, for example, um, if I've done something in my own life that has met my own needs in a positive way, such as, I don't know, um, got a new job or, or, um, finished a project, then I might want to communicate that to a friend and, and say how, uh, good it feels that I've 
met this need for myself so that they can also um, enjoy that celebration that their friend is is feeling that way and and there's a sense in which um, although we've not discussed it too much so yeah celebrating life and celebrating needs being met and positive feelings is also a part of this it's not just about conflict resolution and when sharing that with other people you kind of give you go through the same process of giving concrete examples of what they've done not vague um mm. oh you did really you did really well there rather than me like i really liked the way you spoke with that person today mm. and mm. what i got from that you, you know like giving specific and it's really nice getting specific feedback. I think linking back to what I was saying earlier, like not mm. getting specifics, it can feel empty and disconnected. Mm. And so rather than allow- saying you're good or you're fantastic, but when you did this or when you said this, I felt this way and it met my need for this. So I appreciate that and thank you. Like, but not just thank you or you're great, but the spe- like you say, the specific thing someone has said or done that has made your life more wonderful. And it, it feels good to say that. It feels mm. nice saying that to someone, giving a specific example. Like when you did that thing, I felt this. And, mm. <laughs> you know? It's and, quite, um, um, daunting to share gratitude as well, though, sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's not, it's not. We're not used to giving, but it, it can feel quite vulnerable, can't it? Because yeah. you're, you're expressing how you felt because of somebody else. I was and, listening um, to one of his talks where he talked about um sharing gratitude he he was thinking about gratitude and he wanted to share some with his father before he died and they were out on this walk and he's like oh you know dad i i, I really wanted to um sincerely share some gratitude with you about there are some things i want to tell you that you've said and done in my life and how it's made me feel and what needs i've got met from them and and his dad was like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing. Um, um, you know, you know uh, I, I know you care and all that. And he's like, oh, no, dad, it's, it's really important to me. I, I'd really, it would be really, um, it, it would really help me if, if, if I knew you heard the specifics. But his dad was like really uncomfortable at hearing any gratitude. I thought that was very interesting as well. When, he says a quote, doesn't he? Like, it's our light, not our darkness, that scares us the most. Mm. I am. Um, it's like we find it very because we think of people sharing gratitude as um, telling us we're good or, or implying some sort of moralistic judgment, even if it's the positive. There's still a level of like deservingness in our thinking like we don't yeah. we, we have to like if i said something and you felt positively about it and it met a need for you that's just a fact that just happened there's there's nothing to do with ever with whether i deserve for that to have happened or whether i deserve to know that happened that's that's kind of a judeo-christian ethic that's just stuck with us about punishment and deservingness but um i can certainly relate to times where I'm sure you can too, you know, when we used to go around performing music, occasionally people would say like, oh, when when you played that song, I, I, I really connected, I really felt great, like, thank you. And it's kind of mm. uncomfortable to hear something like that. Um, mm. I remember um, during one of your guitar solos, I mean, this doesn't, I mean, to highlight, this doesn't have to be verbal either. It can no. be silent or through body language. I remember you were doing a guitar solo where the, 
the Phillips Arms, our first ever gig when we were 13 <laughs> playing together. And um, yeah. remember there was a there was a guy sat on the front row who just had his eyes closed and he looked like proper satisfied. Like yeah. your your guitar solo and um, I guess our performance was just like really hitting the spot for him at that time. And he was just like totally immersed in it. And I think that was a, uh, I felt really connected to mm. the, the feelings that they were having. And um, there was kind of like this giving, even though we weren't looking at each other. It was, mm. it was interesting. I think yeah, artists often talk about that, don't they? Like mm. the feedback they get from their audience, even if it's silent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some subtle, subtle things in life that we can, we can share with each other, even if it's like, you know, a glance or a nod or a, a smile, it's, um, it can go a long way. I really, I'm really pleased you raised that, that, uh, before we've ended this podcast, that you can do nonviolent communication silently. <laughs> like there's no need to speak. It's all about attempting to communicate from your feelings and listen to other people's feelings and needs. And like you say, that can be done. Uh, yeah. music's a great way for that to be done and just, you can be on the same wavelength as someone without having to say a word. And I think that's an important um, part of understanding that this is more of an attitude and a philosophy than it is a strategy to, or a formula for speaking. Well, I think that's a, a beautiful way to wrap it up. I think, um, yeah, I think we've done really well. I'm really happy with that. I think there's a, uh, we've got, we've gone through everything there and um, some of the examples as well. And, especially those ending reflections on sharing gratitude. It's, uh, mm. I guess, an up- uplifting way to finish. So I'm, I'm happy to leave it there. Mm. Yeah, me too. Right. I just, uh, I guess, yeah, just want to give a quick shout out to my, uh, my good friend Seb over in America who um, supported us to create our latest logo as well mm. for, for the podcast. Um, I know we spent a fair bit of time on that, designing that and consulting with a few friends of his and, uh, yeah, we're doing a bit of back and forth towards the end, and um, yeah, we're really, really happy with it. So, um, mm. yeah, he's a he's a fan of the cast, and um, yeah, big shout out and big thank you to you, Seb. I know, uh, I know, we'll continue to keep in touch, and I uh, hope you enjoy these podcasts. Oh uh, yeah, no, when I saw that logo, I I felt pleased and uh, gratified because it it met my need for a certain aesthetic and. Um, professionalism and um a sense of progress and um don't have a request that was the feelings and needs i had <laughs> yeah and um it's uh it's based on a picture of me and me and luke up on a hill called ham hill which is just outside of the village we grew up in and uh we're looking over the uh all the neighboring villages and um where where some of your family family lived as well over Norton and um, where my, my grandfather spent a number of years and where I went to school growing up. And it's just a absolutely stunning view. And I think it's um, a place where me and Luke feel very connected and very, um, very alive there. I feel very connected mm. to what's alive in me when I'm looking at over that viewpoint. And I think um, mm. it's been captured perfectly. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, next week, or next fortnight, we'll be covering uh, Winning Body, Body Language by Mark Bowden, which is uh, another part of this communication body language um, three-part series or four-part series we're going mm. through. So it's um, a bit of a 
Yeah, been be an interesting one. I watched a YouTube video on him, and he's uh, he's one of those louder than life people, and uh, mm. he made me laugh, but he made me interested. So I'm I'm keen to see what he's got to say in a book, at yeah. an educational level. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah me too. To uh, looking forward to um, seeing how we can um, kind of combine the ideas from other forms of communication techniques into what we've just talked about today as well. Well, exactly. I think the way we just wrapped up with. Um, you know, body. You know, not needing to use words to communicate mm. non-violently and mm. using body language um, will carry us over nicely. So, yeah, thanks again, mate. Really enjoying these every every week, and um, yeah, it's nice to connect given the current situation. Nice one. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. Have a good one. Bye. See you next gotcha. time. <laughs> See ya.